Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. By now, you have probably heard all of the leading Republicans in Nassau County are calling on George Santos to resign, and they are saying they're not going to work with him. We heard from State Senator Jack Martins. We heard from County Executive Bruce Blakeman. And we heard from the chairman of the Nassau County GOP, Joe Cairo. This is Joe Cairo. George Santos's campaign last year was a campaign of deceit, lies, and fabrication. He deceived the voters of the 3rd Congressional District. He deceived the members of the Nassau County Republican Committee, elected officials, his colleagues, candidates, his opponents, and even some of the media. Now, on the one hand, I give these Republicans credit for calling out one of their own, because one of the things that I'm always so critical of politicians about is that they always call out bad actors and misdeeds on the other side of the aisle, but they're hesitant to do so on their own side of the aisle. So I give them credit for being willing to do this. That being said, the GOP nominated George Santos twice, and I realized that first time no one ever thought he had a chance of winning, so they were probably grateful just to have anybody run for the seat. But they nominated George George Santos twice. Do they bear no responsibility whatsoever for the poor job they did vetting this candidate? You have to wonder, how many other candidates have they failed to vet adequately? Is all you have to do in Nassau County just tell them that this is what you did, this is where you went to school, this is where you worked? There's no checking what anyone does? Now, to their credit, the GOP says they're going to do a much better job vetting candidates in the future, but I think it's beholden, and I've been in the leadership of several political parties before. Before. You don't just take a candidate's word for it. You go out and check and check their references. If I was hiring a babysitter, I wouldn't just take their word for it. Why should the Nassau County Republican Party have done that with someone that wanted to go to Congress? Learning lesson for all. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. There was a time in New York City where there were 20,000 annual arrests for prostitution. Not long ago, back in 1985, we were seeing about 20,000 arrests for prostitution. Do you know how many there were last year? About 100. We've gone from 20,000 annual arrests for prostitution to 100. Now, this plunge in arrests has been gradual over the last decade, and it accelerated last year with the decisions by various district attorneys in the city of New York to essentially stop prosecuting sex workers and dismiss thousands of open cases against those charged with selling sex. Those policy decisions coincided with the implementation of two state laws that altered 
how law enforcement approaches sex work. One ended police officers' power to arrest people suspected of loitering, and another allowed for old prostitution-related convictions to be erased. Prostitution remains illegal under New York state law, but there are various proposals to decriminalize it, either entirely or partially. And I've gradually come to think that maybe it is time to look at a full or partial decriminalization. And one of the things that I'd love to see is to see it put on the ballot and allow the voters of New York State to vote on it themselves. Unfortunately, we live in a state that doesn't allow its citizens initiative and referendum. I think the key is helping people avoid getting forced into human trafficking, getting forced into child prostitution, having better regulations of the sex trade while allowing people that want to engage in this, either as johns or as prostitutes, to do so in a manner that's safe and where they won't have to worry about being robbed or assaulted. Let's get New York on the ball with initiative and referendum, and then let's let the voters of the state of New York vote on this themselves. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Thank you to all of you that tuned in to hear me on uh, Sid Rosenberg's show yesterday. I had a great time with Sid and uh, Pete Morgan from Peerless Boilers was in studio as well. It was great to see him. And a lot of people heard the segment and I got overwhelmingly positive feedback from it. One thing that I mentioned, and I'll reiterate here in case you didn't get to hear our discussion, is the fact that the Democratic State Assembly majority appears to be poised to let Assemblyman Lester Chang keep his seat. If you haven't been following this, Assemblyman Chang was rumored to not live in the district for the requisite amount of time prior to his election, and there was some serious talk about expelling him or not seating him. And the question becomes, why didn't the Assembly Democrats act? Why didn't they expel him? Why didn't they keep him from being seated? And what I've come to learn is that the reason they didn't do so is because there is concern about several prominent members of the Democratic State Assembly majority not actually living in their district. And the feeling was that if they kept Lester Chang from being seated, that maybe someone like Assembly Member Deborah Glick might have a problem. And it was just a few years ago when the Assembly seated Michael Blake, even though he hadn't even been living in the state for years before his election. And I think... Somebody in the Assembly Democratic Conference had the good sense to say, whoa, we can't do this. Otherwise, people are going to start looking at our addresses and where we claim to represent. So I think it was a smart move politically on the part of the Democrats. What I would say to everybody, Democrat, Republican, Independent, whatever, if you want to make an issue of someone's residency, the time to do that is when petitions are filed, not after the election is over. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. It is not a good time to be seeking health care in New York City. We have seen ambulances diverted, elective procedures canceled, and as many patients as possible have been discharged as Montefiore Medical Center in the Bronx grapples with a nurse's strike that has stretched into its third day. With 3,500 nurses off the job, the hospital has called in temporary nurses and the mayor asked people to dial 911 only when necessary. 
Mary. The emergency room waiting area has been largely quiet, but conditions deeper inside one of the borough's main hospitals and another one of the city's main hospitals, Mount Sinai in Manhattan, where another 3,600 nurses are on strike, are even more tumultuous than usual. Patients and staff members, patients and staff members are saying that it's just chaos as temporary and redeployed workers are trying to care for people in the nurses' absence. This is New York City's largest nurses' strike in decades. Nurses say they were worried about conditions inside, but they were outside the buildings for now because they wanted to improve care so they could keep patients safer in the long term. Nurses both at Montefiore in the Bronx and at Mount Sinai in Manhattan said they were hoping they could alleviate chronic understaffing by negotiating contracts that mandate that managers adhere to minimum staffing levels. This is the first contract being negotiated since before the pandemic and understaffing, which has been an issue for years, has grown as a problem as hospitals have failed to replace nurses who have left. I have to say, I'm really impressed with the nurses in just about every hospital that I've encountered, but especially at these two hospitals. I've been to both of these two hospitals, never as a patient, but as a visitor of patients. And I'm always impressed by the care with which the, with which the nurses carry themselves and the professionalism with which they carry themselves. I don't know the details about the sticking points of what they're negotiating, but I tend to think if anybody's deserving of better working conditions and maybe even some more money, it's our nurses. I hope they get what they want, and I hope we're able to put an end to what's rapidly becoming a health care crisis. Beam me up! To be continued.